Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey guys, it's Gwen, and you're listening to Glam Squad Confidential by Us Weekly. I'm here today with my cohort, Mr. Travis Cronin. Oh, hello, Gwen. Excited to be getting into what's confidential today. Oh, yeah. So Glam Squad Confidential is our podcast dedicated to the hottest looks in Hollywood and how you can live that glamorous life, too. But today, Travis, we have the most exciting guests. We're just going to dive right in to it. My God, we have the fashion, wellness, lifestyle guru, legend. Legend. Yes. Hi, Norma. Hi there. Good to see you guys. Oh my God. I have been a fan as, as we were just chatting before we went live. I've been a fan my entire life because I grew up in New York City. If you guys don't know about Norma, Norma Kamali was one of the most groundbreaking designers in the 70s and 80s in New York City. I mean, she dressed every celebrity. Like, I love this little bit of folklore that we're going to get into a little bit later. But of course, you know, at the time, Studio 54 was where anyone who was anyone in New York City went. And they all wore Norma's clothes and they would have frozen their buns off waiting outside Studio 54 on 54th Street in the freezing cold to get in if it was not for Norma's legendary sleeping bag coat, which, by the way, I feel like I need for outdoor dining because clearly, I mean, everybody needs a sleeping bag coat for outdoor dining. But Norma has become over the years an absolute just an icon of 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 wellness and and aging i don't even want to say aging gracefully now i'm just going to always use the term aging in power which is what your book that just came out called i am invincible is all about it's about living your life with the integrity that you choose and because of that you you can be whoever you want to be your true best self at every moment every decade in your life i can't even tell you how inspired I was when I read this book, Norma. Tell us, us, how did this come about? When did you start um, thinking about writing this book, I Am Invincible? Well, you know, I think early on, I knew my purpose 
was to serve women, especially, and that my clothes did. At, I, at first, I felt like I was in a career that was meaningless because people were curing cancer and I was worried about a quarter of an inch on a ham. And so I started to listen to people and and they would tell me about these wonderful experiences they were having in the clothes. And, and I'm sure every designer hears that. And I realized that if I could change the way somebody felt, if they could feel happy or feel good about themselves or invincible in something that made them feel invincible, that was actually not a bad thing. So my purpose was to service women. But then as I uh, got involved in wellness, which actually happened as two of my best friends, one born June 26th, I'm June 27th, the other born June 28th, when they both died of AIDS, my world fell apart. It just, the grief was overwhelming and it was more profound in a, in sort of a, a, a home-based kind of way than COVID is because you just see friends in the process of dying with no hope and no solution. And to go through that experience, and and so much time has gone by, so very few people know what that actually looks like, to me was devastating. And I understood that nothing could help them, but that their immune systems were compromised. And that's where the problem was in the immune system. So to deal with my grief, I sought out as much information about this. And I went West. I met Dr. Andrew Weil, who was a pioneer. I met Dr. Lodog. I met a lot of people, New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California, who were talking about how to how to live a healthy lifestyle. And so I would go to retreats and to lectures and I became a student. And then this became a parallel life I had that I never talked about. It's amazing. Nine, so 9-11 comes and I realize everybody's immune system is going to be compromised now because stress is an incredible uh, negative on the immune system. And I thought I need to open the wellness cafe and provide products that build the immune system that are alternatives to what we traditionally use, maybe a tooth soap that pulls bacteria instead of toothpaste that may have chemicals and sugar, or a mouth rinse that alkalines your system, which also comes from stress, and alkalining your system to de-stress would be another. And I, I filled the Wellness Cafe with all of these products. I had people come and speak, and we did classes and all of this very early. I after one juice place in New York, I was the other. And I, <laughs> and I was, I, I saw all of these people come, come out of the, the, the woodwork and sort of find each other. And then I decided my job was actually even bigger than just clothes to share with women. And so I started to share that as well. And then at 75 with 53 years experience in business, I thought I really need to do a handbook 
because I wish I had a handbook. I wish I had a handbook through the decades. And so that's how we got to where we are today. I mean, the amazing thing about the book, I'm Invincible, is that it's part handbook, but it's also part therapy session. And it's also part um, life coach. Like it's, it's, I found it so inspiring. You know, it's uh, like Sarah Brown is a very, very close friend of mine. So I, you know, I, I, I kind of knew of the book the whole time that she was working on it with you. And, you know, she was, would explain to me sort of how it was being packaged and I didn't get it until I got the book. And, you know, these snippets, this information is presented in such a way that I feel like anybody can absorb it. You know, it's not, it, it's just like, it's so awesome. I mean, I made Travis read the book and Travis didn't think like Travis sent me, he, you know, he sent me a picture when he got it. He was like, she's thick. This is a big book. And I was kind of like, just open it because trust me, you will get so much out of it so quickly. And yeah. Travis is vegetarian. Good. Like, how long have you since, been vegetarian? Since birth. Really? Yeah. Great veg. That's great. That's great. It's, it's so wonderful. Um, that you had that kind of a childhood that uh, your parents were thinking about how you were going to live your life and how important that would be. I think, um, you know, the book came about uh, a friend of mine was turning 50 and um, there was a big birthday party for her and everybody had to come up with a gift that had some connection to turning 50. So I got one of those little leather mold books yeah. and I sketched out 50 tips on turning 50. Oh, that's so and, awesome. And everybody that was at the party called me and said, we, can you get more books? We want, we all want to have a book. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was working on um, co-writing a book called Facing East on acupuncture with a very incredible acupuncture um, doctor. And I asked the publishers at the time, what do you think? And they said, well, can't be a little thing like this. It's got to be a book. And so um, when I had time in between collections, I worked with my graphics department to kind of mock up a copy of the book. And then I met with Abrams and showed them the book. And I found the cover and everything. And I thought, I know people want to change everything. And, and they said, we love it. We want to do it just the way it is. And I was like, oh, great. Oh, great. This is it. This is, this is what I really want it to be. I want it to be something you open anywhere and get something out of for that day. That It's almost like a karmic thing. Wherever you open the book, Take the advice for that from that page for that day, kind of thing. Oh, and I love that. So, uh, so I, I really, and one of my favorite things that I never expected is when Travis and other guys that are reading the book tell me they read the book and they actually got something out of it. It was like, oh my god, I'm so happy! I'm so happy that once they get into it, and and these are people that are unlikely to wanna read a woman's book, you know, about menopause and everything else, but they seem to skirt right over it and find what works for them. And I, you know, thank you, Travis. And I, every time uh, somebody tells me they read the book, 
and and it's like they find something. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I loved it. First of all, it made me feel very validated that I use olive oil for everything, okay. <laughs> including moisturizer, especially on my knees and elbows. Yes. And I I was very into acupuncture for a long time. And I love your, you know, you know so much about it and its healing properties and your acupuncture face lift. I mean, holy bajoli, you look incredible. But I agree with Gwen that it was set up in such a way that I could read through the mantras and it builds you up and gets you ready for the chapter. And you can go in and do some you know, dense reading with real introflection, or you can just get some light, bright, happy tips. And you say dance and have fun and laugh a lot, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I dancing, love that. Yeah. Dancing is, is so key. First of all, if there's a dance party, I'm there and I'm the last one out the door. I am. I don't care. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I love dancing so much. It's everything to me. And and I just freestyle. I do whatever I want. I just love the music and to get into it. And and my best favorite thing is I started to interview older women for inspiration for me. You know, if I'm 75, I got to go up to the hundreds to get my inspiration. So as I'm interviewing these women and also interviewing scientists, there seems to be a common thread on long life. A lot of these people are, women tend to live longer than men. So it tends to be more women are dancing until the day they die. They're dancing. And I'm thinking, yes, yes, I'm there. (laughs) I'm going to be dancing till the end. And it's really important that we all allow ourselves to just let either the music go through you or just release because again this holding all the tension in and you know clinging to the pain is so destructive and dancing laughing finding people that are funny and fun i missed those two friends of mine desperately because all we did was laugh all we did was laugh all the time seeing how we could make each other laugh and doing things that were like sick, funny to each other. That was the joy of that relationship. It was, it was beyond anything because it was built on feeling good and, and loving each other and feeling good and, and also hugging and holding each other, which we did so much more of at that time. Now, our devices are so in the way of touching, of just giving someone a massage or a face massage or a hand massage, interacting. No, we can't because we have our phones in our hands. It's bad. We have to stop this disconnect and take time. Put the phone down, put the device down and hug and and touch and give each other pleasure, just friends, mother, father, you know, somebody lost a job, say, I'm coming over, I'm gonna give you a hug, make you dinner, give you a facial, that kind of thing. We're, we're too far away from that kind of kindness. And we have to, we hear so much anger, so much bitterness every day, we need to really go back to kindness. Oh, I so agree with that. Well, going back to dancing, though, I don't want to get too far away from dancing because I've <laughs> got to hear more about Studio 54. And what what would you wear when you would go dancing at Studio 54? Well, 
I never went to Studio 54. What do you mean? But I read in the book here, you were best friends with Ian and come on. Well, I, I was, we were living together, but I never went to Studio 54. So you did mention that everybody was wearing my clothes at Studio 54. Well, somebody <laughs> had to be making, the making them. <laughs> and I was, you don't forget, it was early in my career, I was, I had to, you know, I didn't have partners. I was running my own company, a woman running her own company in the 70s. You don't understand challenge when you think that I could go out dancing. And it's, <laughs> and you know how hard that choice was for me to either sit behind the machine so everybody could look good or for me to go dancing. Which choice would you make if you're Norma Kamali? That's a hard one. Oh. So. I would play music so little, then do my thing <laughs> and then go back. But um, but I, we would have private parties. Um, studio opened at 10. So my staff and our friends and Ian's staff, we would all dance and have food and have parties. And um, But I knew everything that was going on. I knew all <laughs> the little secrets of what was going on. Who did you make dresses for? Like, did you dress Jade Jagger? Or like all, the, I just keep thinking of those iconic pictures. Bianca, Bianca, oh, Jade Bianca, wasn't right, even born yet. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite dresses that made it into the club that you saw pictures and you're like, okay, she looks really good at that. I'm glad that uh, I am there yeah. figuratively. <laughs> no, I, 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 Travis, it's true. I felt that way all the time because every day there would be photographs of people at studio and I always was fully represented and I loved it. First of all, dancing and the clothes you dance in hello i am your go-to i am your go-to here you are i am here so so the clothes were so easy for me they just i knew what they had to be they had to move they had to be dramatic you had to be able to sweat in them you had to feel like you had nothing on it had to be magic right so uh, I, you know, all everybody that went there, I'm were customers of mine. Bianca, uh, I mean, I just like everybody. It's Diana I, Ross, of course, of course. Oh I, it's very funny. I just saw somebody sent me a clip of um, an interview from Diana Ross, and she was talking about her favorite designer and she had obviously had other people I guess that she said but there was a clip and she was describing my clothes and it was so weird and listening it was like oh my god she's talking about me but I'm not not that girl anymore but I know I remember that girl but it, oh. it was a it was a, a very nice kind of nice thing to to listen to and yes um you know share also with everybody um oh my and, it, God. and it was just uh, uh share was a, a big customer of mine for a long time and god bless her because all of these people remember i didn't have any backing i didn't have partners these people not only helped me pay the rent, but they kept my spirits going when I felt like, oh, am I going to be able to stay in business? Everybody, you know, doesn't understand. They don't understand what it takes to have a right. business. And, but 
they in the back of the book, if you look at the back of the book, you see my thank you to all the people starting with Elvis Presley, who used to buy the same dress for all of his girlfriends who were all that was gone. so funny. That was so funny. What That's a shady amazing. guy. Did you, I mean, is he dressing them up like dolls? Does he just not want to like, did he find the perfect dress and he just didn't want to do the effort? Well, he would no, he but you know, it's all relative to the time, obviously. And and women wanted to be the the doll and the whatever. And so it's very hard to look back and even think in that mindset. But yes, he would order if he had three blonde girlfriends, he would buy three of the same. They were always white, white. dresses. Yeah. Always white dresses. And there wow. was the um there was a, a girl who had a great girl, Susie Sunshine, who had a store in Las Vegas and she would say, Okay, he's back. He wants he wants another, you know. And it was fun and great and and it helped me pay the rent. I mean, how else do you describe that? So Cher was such a regular and um and I need to thank her in person now that I, I I think about this for all the years that she just shopped like crazy. And and Farrah Fawcett too was a really regular. I, I so many um were icons. Yeah. Icons. So how did the sleeping bag coat come about? Because I, I do think that um that is one of your most iconic pieces. It's impossible to think of even like a puffer coat without thinking of the sleeping bag coat. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been making the sleeping bag coat every year since 73. And I was on a camping trip uh, in a tent. You know, this was, you know, we were flower power children and we camped and we did all of those things. And I, I like canoeing and I like swimming. And so, but I'm a real city girl. So this was a departure. And I would go with my two friends that, um, that passed away and other people too. And I was actually with one of them in a tent and I had to go to the bathroom. I was like, oh shit, it's so cold out. And so I just said, I'm taking my sleeping bag. And I wrapped it around me, went walking out. And then I thought as I was walking, oh my goodness, I need to put sleeves on this thing. And I came back and I said, Bob, I'm putting <laughs> sleeves on this. He said, yeah, damn straight. And I want one too. And so I I took my cup, my sleeping bag that had yellow flannel and geese flying on it and a, a khaki <laughs> exterior. And that was my first one. I used every piece of it. It was a real sustainable experience. And every year since then, I've made the coat. And there were three times, you know, there were times where it has a fashion peak, you mm-hmm. know, where all of a sudden, oh, we like that look. And then there were times when it had sort of a, a, a relevance to the time. So Studio 54, everybody wore a sleeping bag coat, not necessarily to stay warm, but because the doorman wore sleeping bag coats, they thought they could get in if they wore a sleeping bag coat. And it looked like they were in the now. Yeah. And I was not going to tell them anything (laughs) else. It's like, could be. 
Not, I'm thinking that might be a good idea. So I sold sleeping bag coats. And then 9-11 was so bizarre because I closed like everybody else. I was sobbing as a New York person. I was so devastated that that happened. And then I came back to the building to answer voice messages. Remember that on a real phone to see who called and one call after the other for the sleeping bag coat. And it was September and muggy warm. I don't know if you were here and remember, no, but it, sure it was. was it was hot. It wasn't winter. Totally. And so we didn't have any coats ready. So I had my staff come back. I had my factory in Brooklyn come back. And I said, we have to make sleeping bag coats. And we sold so many because people were stranded in hotel lobbies and at the airport. And they they literally had nothing. So it was easier to have a coat you could sleep in than even a sleeping bag because then you could get up and walk walk away. Comfort and that it feels like a hug, you know. It's exactly that. And then now again, we probably we're selling so many now. Well, it's perfect for outdoor dining. Exactly. Exactly. And and Rihanna looked so good in it. I mean amazing. Yeah, everybody, everybody. I mean, Beyonce has a big white one. Rihanna has a whole bunch of them. You know, the Kardashians all have them. like every it's like all over the place. And I love men in them. I love guys in them. They look so great. So great. So, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I, I can be the minute winter comes, I start to get cold. Like the feeling of cold just kills me. So I literally wear two layered together. That's how sick. Yeah. I need to, I, well, and I'm eating outdoors. I am eating outdoors when it was snowing. I am I am like 20 something degrees. Who cares? Just get suited up in a really warm yeah. coat. So get under I, that lamp and make it happen. Yeah, like, the heat lamp does. The heat lamp is a factor. The heat lamp does help the process. So totally. I was burning the top of my head. Yeah. I, said, I don't Who care. cares? I know. I know. I'm kind of like, I am thinking a little bit about like, is there infrared damage to my skin while I'm under these heat lamps? I had the same thought. I thought, is my hair burning off? Like what's happening up here? But you know, I really, it's so devastating to see New York so empty and, and even bringing back the restaurants in commercial areas, there still will be no business because most people are still working at home. So even, even with opening restaurants at 20, 25%, it's, it's going to be neighborhoods where that works, where you and I and will all go and help out and make sure we give big tips and really be right. appreciative. Um, but it's the commercial areas that really concern me because, you know, working at home and a lot of people now can live outside of New York and work from home. So right. I don't know. I don't know what that means. And I'm hoping that what is feeling like the 70s in New York doesn't I agree. Well, I've I've said that all along. I mean, first of all, it's like I'm a born and raised New Yorker. So for me, it's New York or nowhere. You know, when my <laughs> friends who have country homes and stuff were like giving up their apartments to live in, in the country, I was kind of like, no, like I'm I'm a New Yorker and you don't 
you don't leave. It's, right. New York is, you know, quite honestly, it's 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 my first love. And you don't leave right. your first love when things go wrong. You kind of stick it out. You stick it through and you like make it better. And, and I've kind of felt that way too, Norma, where, you know, it's like I really miss, I obviously missed the first incarnation of Studio 54. But like when I was in high school and in my early 20s, like the tunnel was so amazing. And, and you know, these nightclubs where it was really all about creativity and there was no such thing as bottle service. And like, you know, <laughs> right. I just, I do feel like this may usher in a time. I um, agree. Art I, and creativity and, um, you know, listen, we'll see. Ebbs, ebbs and flows, man, right? Yeah, I agree. I think... Um, I think the downside is maybe with fewer people paying taxes, some of the services are going to go and then there'll be strikes and garbage won't get picked up and maybe we will have some of that. But I already, I already see a young contingent in sort of in the shadows right now doing some amazing stuff amazing and i love them i am they i i they remind me so much of me at that age and i i'm i'm crazy about them and there's a group of them and they all have three or four jobs this is not this is not not that i don't love millennials however they have three these guys have three or four jobs they're not expecting anything. They don't have to have a certain bracelet or a certain anything. And they, I just, one group of them that I cherish took my clothes and made a film that is so unbelievable. And they just, I mean, blew my mind with it completely. So I'm going to speak with them today. And I think they are part of this underground that we're going to see emerging. They're, they're on a budget, but they're not lazy. They, they have driven, like I said, three or four jobs. And I'm not exaggerating. They it's will, incredible. They, and so I, I feel what you and I are feeling that maybe that will happen. I actually, they make me believe that there are more of them and that we will see this. And so, yes, we can't give up on the city. It may get tough and it yeah. may get difficult, but it's, we have to, we have to have faith in the city. I, do you drive? I don't. I don't either. <laughs> I failed my road test three times. Well, so I failed my road test in New York when I first took it. I took a road test in New York. I failed it. So then I took my second road test in Washington, D.C., where I went to college. And I passed and I got my license. I had my license. You know, I drove like, I literally, I have driven like less than a dozen times. And most of the times, like in the Hamptons, like on two lane roads. And then my handbag was stolen in the 90s and my license was in there. And I just literally like wasn't really driving. So I never renewed it. And, and then it got to be so long that I had to take the road test again. And I was like, no way, Jose. I know. And, I really need and to Travis that. is appalled. Travis I is mean, appalled. I love <laughs> New Yorkers. I love when New Yorkers can't drive. It's one of my favorite things when they're just consummate passengers and have never right. seen the behind a wheel. And that's right. how they like it. That's right. fine. I mean, I've lived in so 
New York for so long now that I don't really think of taking a car. I think of what train bus can I take to go places? That's just like how it is. But yeah, I love ladies like you who have yeah. no idea how to He's drive. Looking, as, we're, as we're talking, I'm seeing his face like, oh my God, these two are crazy. But, no. but you know, it's just, you know, you could walk everywhere. To me, yeah, real New Yorkers don't yeah we walk we, and we walk fast and we walk like, get out of the way, tourists. That's your highway. Get <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> All right, so we've got to talk about love because Valentine's Day is this week. And a part of the book that I just loved so much is that you talk about finding your soulmate at 65. Yes, I do. And um, I, in 1970, one of my best friends that I spoke about before, the other one, not the camping one, um, <laughs> said, I'm giving you a birthday gift of an astrologer to do your chart. And I said, oh, okay. So I never had my chart done. And she was amazing. She knew things about the family history that nobody knew. She knew things about my father that nobody knew. Tons of like, really, who, how does this woman know this? And then she said, and your career is going to be this, this, and this, and de describe my career. And then she said, and you're going to meet your soulmate when you're 65. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think that, I don't think you got that right. And she said, no. I got it right. And I was like, holy crap. This and is this is after you had had a marriage, right? You, but you this is 1970. Your... Yeah. So I'm still uh, 70, 1970. So um, I'm thinking, oh my God. I, and then I thought, I, I just have to prove her wrong. Well, clearly, I just, you know, I had long relationships, but None of them were anybody you would ever think of permanently being with, if you know what I mean. And um, adventures. I sure do. That's called them adventures. And so <laughs> I had adventures. Um, and then I just thought, well, other people have soulmates. It's not for me, but I have good friends. I, you know, I love my creative life and I'm blessed. I'm lucky. And so Ian, the most unlikely suspect, says, I have a guy for you. Now, he hated every guy I ever dated. He had names for them that are unspeakable. And, and guys, this is Ian Schrager, right. who opened Studio 54 and who is a big hotelier. All right, go on. All right. And so um, he never thought they were worthy of me. And uh, as I look back, he's probably right. Um, and it, so he introduces me to this guy. And the interesting thing is, I would never have thought that this would be a person for me ever. Our, we're so different, different lives, different, completely different. But Ian knows both of us really well. And he knew that the core of who we are is very much the same, which is really the essence of what makes a relationship work. And he was absolutely right. And COVID, you know, the silver linings of COVID. So we've been together 10 years. And I mean, we definitely never talk about marriage because like, why? Um, <laughs> like what for? And um, 
But we, and we both have very busy lives. He travels a lot, but we spent every day together and we hadn't done that in 10 years. And we spent every day for a long period of time. And we really loved spending time with each other and having a little routine where we would, you know, we would have coffee at a certain time. We would meet like he'd have his calls and we'd meet at a certain time at lunch to have something together. And then we would have a time where we had coffee and talk about things and and we really loved each other liked each other and he on my birthday left this beautiful note at the side of the bed and it was just he's very good with being lovely words and beautiful beautiful things that he writes and uh and he said and if you're not doing anything this year I think we should get married <laughs> and and so I said like, is this an appointment? Like, it looks like an appointment because he can put a date on October 30th and at four o'clock in the afternoon. I said, I don't, I'm, he, he said, no, it's a proposal. And I said, <laughs> oh, okay. So we're going to wait until I'm thinking July or June when we could have a dance party. Yes. And then get married because I am not getting married when I can't dance. So that's the story. So he's like, all right, whatever, whenever you want to do this, we'll, we'll do it. So that's where we are. But the, but, but the bottom line, the point of the story, and the only reason I talk about it in the book and in conversation is clearly there is no timeline. There's no deadline for when you're supposed to meet your soulmate. It's not at 30. It's not at 40. It's when you're ready. And to be honest, I was not ready for this type of relationship. I want everybody to understand that if you don't love yourself and respect yourself, you put that energy out there and then you attract people who will not respect you. But if you love yourself and you, the self-love is not narcissistic, by the way, it's self-love with caring and respect, you will draw to you that respect and that love. And I really wasn't ready. I was healthy in my business, but my personal sense of who I was and how I looked after myself in that way wasn't healthy. And I had I had work to do. And, and it wasn't about healthy lifestyle. I'm just talking about in my mind. And, and, and sometimes it's not just how you take care of yourself, but I felt a great responsibility for my brother who was a drug addict for his entire life. And I was so absorbed in that, that there was no room really for a relationship that would take a commitment. And sometimes we have to look at toxic relationships in our lives too, and how we're dealing with that. Sometimes it's that plus work on yourself. So I'm sharing this very personal information because I really feel the pain that people feel when they feel life is passing them by, or they're missing out on something that they should have. It You have to do some work on yourself. It, it really, you know, 
it's sometimes it's as simple as, well, I'm going to have dessert. I could have this chocolate cake or I could have blueberries with walnut. Now, blueberries with walnuts are good for breast health. They're good for prostate health. They're good for you. Tastes amazing. I put frozen blueberries with walnuts in a cup. I'm happy. Or you can have chocolate cake, eat the whole thing, feel bloated, and know that the sugar is bad for you and you didn't do a good thing for yourself. So that's self-hate and self-love. And I know it sounds harsh, but that's the, those are the kinds of decisions you make for yourself and, and are meaningful in the way you then send information. So now you hate yourself because you ate the chocolate cake and you feel, and, but it's true, but true. you feel self-hate. You feel self-hate. You feel bloated. I hate myself. Um, tomorrow I'm going to change it. And then tomorrow you're like, you're, it, it doesn't, it's a mindset. And it's really with every everything in your life. And meditation is rest, restorative and just such a happy tool to really give yourself self-love, to allow yourself to be kind, to be kind and do things that are good for you. And when you do that, you're sending out this radar that's really unbelievable. So I met Marty. I was able to connect and appreciate him because I I'd taken literally six months before I resolved the situation with my brother. Mm, interesting. It, it, very interesting. And so I'm sharing very personal stuff because this is one of the hardest things for, that people deal with quietly, with their own disappointments and their all and their own pain. And I felt in many ways, okay, it's not meant for me. No. Anything can be meant for you, but there's work involved with it. And sometimes we don't recognize that we have to take responsibility for everything. Absolutely. My God. I, I could talk to you forever. Like we yeah, could talk you're amazing, to you. Norma. <laughs> I mean, so amazing. But let's, you know, before before we let you guys go, if you could, I mean, you guys have got to check out I Am Invincible. This book is next level. So many amazing life tips. It's 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 funny, it's poignant, it's real. Be, beyond anything else, it's real. But you know, in in one sentence, Norma, if you could give advice for people to age in power, what would it be? Healthy lifestyle, sleep, diet, exercise. You must have a good night's sleep every night. And it starts from the minute you get up in the morning that you start thinking about it. And in the book, I detail how to do that. Diet. Eat less food, use the same budget you have to buy better quality food, and don't have crap in the house because you'll eat it. Only have good food in the house so that your go-to is, is the right thing for you. And exercise every day. Make an appointment with yourself the same time every day. Don't replace that time with anything else. This is the top priority. It's again, like making the choice between the blueberries or the chocolate cake. This is the choice you have to do for yourself. And if you do these things, you start this self-love and this, this activity to change over the message, the subliminal message you're sending about yourself. Do you hate yourself? You know, you hear people say, I hate myself. I hate the way I feel. Well, stop. This is, 
do this. And and the book really is a is really helpful for that. If you're just looking for one thing about healthy lifestyle, it really has enough tips to put you to get you on course, and then you figure out what's working for you. I mean, it's amazing. It's really about taking control of of, of your life by making the right choices. And, and it's easy to follow. Honest, you, it's really easy to follow. It's not scary. Right. Yeah. That's I love it. That's the, it's like a book, but a book for the social media age where, you yeah. know, like the time of like 140 characters, it's like you just say it so succinctly. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And quite honestly, I'll have what she's having because you got enormous <laughs> skin at age 75. <laughs> Ludicrous should be illegal. You look too good. Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you so much for coming on, Norma Kamali. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Please come back next week for a new episode of Glam Squad Confidential. Until then, go to usmagazine.com slash stylish for more celebrity beauty and style tips and tricks all week long. And until then... Stay gorgeous.